Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 182. My guest today was just on my last episode, and he, um, we took too much time just chatting and talking that he didn't get to say some really th- cool stuff that he wanted to say, so I decided to have him back. Back-to-back episodes. Um, we don't have that happen very often. My guest is Michael Mendez, the uh, creator, owner, and founder of Tasty Minstrel Games, a prolific Kickstarter uh, aficionado with 10 projects under his belt, at least 10, um, three, more than three-quarters of a million dollars of successful funding. He has been doing this as long as anybody in the space. Actually, Michael, I think you've been doing this longer than anybody I know in the space. I don't know of anybody who's done it longer than you. I know that they have been there, but I just don't know them. Uh, David McKenzie, do you know him? I don't know. Do I? I don't think... Uh, I'm going to be embarrassed if I got his name wrong. Well, I'm going to be embarrassed if I know him and I, and I don't remember. So we'll just say, sure, David McKenzie. Alien for Tears? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. He's just a little bit longer than I have. Oh, that's true. It did come out a little bit. I, and you know why? Is because I'm always focused on the Alien Frontiers faction, which came out and did uh, so much better than the original yep. project. Yeah. The expansion. Okay. When we left off, we were talking about, you wanted to talk about this hybrid because and just for those who possibly didn't listen to the previous episode, we were talking about how Kickstarter allows you to do business in a new way. And rather than just using Kickstarter to raise money to do business in the traditional way, there's this new way. And then the last thing you talked about was that there was this possibility of a hybrid. Let's just go right into that. When you talk about a hybrid, using Kickstarter to build a hybrid type business, what are you talking about? Well, it, it happens to be what I've kind of accidentally started to do right now um, with the last couple of projects with the pay what you want, um, direct and direct sales afterwards business model. Um, it, it's it's just a hybrid. I mean, you use Kickstarter and you sell direct, which is a very, very, very new kind of way to do things and uh, use the old methods as well as in a combination where you have more standard products that work in retail and go through the distribution channel and so on and so forth. So <clears throat> the I, I I accidentally fell into this um, because I was in the old business and combining that with Kickstarter to supplement not supplement but to well for lack of a better word kickstart the um, the success inside of the standard business model where we sell to distributors and they sell to retailers and retailers sell to consumers in the board game space, which is what I'm in. And um, I just, I really wanted to do these small games that have a lot of value for the dollars that people invest in them. I, I just think it's awesome because <clears throat> as I get less and less time, I personally am more attracted to these kind of games where, um, well, you know, where I might pay $5 and get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And so I fell into this hybrid model, but I see that it will be both sides will feed each other very well so that the whole of the combined two sides will be bigger than either side could be on its own. And there's a lot of reasons for that uh, that are behind the scenes that people might not think about, like um, a a lot of them have to do with economies of scale. In particular, I'm thinking of combining shipments uh, that come from 
our manufacturer, right? So with with a tiny game, like I can make twenty five thousand copies of Coinage, and it should fit on about one and a third standard pallets. Um, which, if I am making that, it makes sense probably just to airship it so it gets here faster and can send it out to backers faster. Um, to, to air freight, if I was just doing that, and that air freight is probably is sizable, it's expensive. You know, that's probably fifteen hundred dollars or more. I haven't priced it out exactly. Whereas, um, you know, it's easy to put one and a third pallets worth of product into a forty-foot container that's already coming over. Um, so that's one of those already coming over with your already coming over with other projects of your own, or are other, you? Yeah, other projects of my own that are more standard distribution type of stuff. Uh, games like Eminent Domain, where you know a pallet might have 176 games on it, as opposed to almost 20,000, uh, just because it has a regular size box and so on and so forth. Uh, so that's one piece of background efficiency cost savings that will be available because I have both. But what I'm thinking of in particular as the the biggest benefit is what happens with backers and customers and hopefully uh, fans of our company that they like what we do and and because of that they buy more more of what we we make which allows us to do what we love to do which is publishing games so um yeah so you publish games that that's the space that we're talking about mm-hmm. in the game space from a marketing and branding standpoint um you have not built your brand up in a trad in the board game space, there's a couple of places that you I can I have go- definitely not built up my brand in a traditional method that is in the board game space or um, – yeah, not at all. I've used internet. I've used email. I've used Kickstarter. That is the biggest source of – oh, and that is besides the fact that we make good stuff. Right. No, right. And, that, and that's a given. You've got to make good stuff because otherwise you're building a brand up. It's just not the brand that you wanted. Right. 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 Um, but and, I'm, and so, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, so in the Kickstarter space, when people talk about board games and Kickstarter, Tasty Minstrel Games is certainly one of the projects, excuse me, one of the companies that's identified as, I'll use the term, player. It's one of the players in the space. Yeah. Right? Now, when you compare... Get the game, not the player. Yeah. So when you look at the, the, you, when you look in your space, you're a fairly significant player in this space by some accounts, although I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm building a case here, and so I'll just keep going with this. Okay. But on the, on the flip side, Steve Jackson Games, very well-known brand, been around for decades. It goes into the Kickstarter space, one project, million dollars. One project, you've got 10 projects. They surpass you for revenue or pledges, funding levels, with one project. So mm-hmm. somebody could argue that, oh, no, no, they're bigger in the space because they made more money. But yes. I, but an argument... Well, could, that, that, that is a function of the... Well, Steve Jackson Games, whether you... Uh, your opinion about their games is irrelevant to this fact. They are a player in the old model. Right. Their brand name is huge. So they, they sell that's right. Millions they, of dollars a munchkin a year, 
and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of zombie dice a year, whether you like those games or not. They do sell those. And, and so, that's a fact. And the fact that, and that's, and in their case, they didn't, it wasn't Munchkin or Zombie Dice that was on Kickstarter. It was a game called Ogre, which is a 35 year old piece of uh, property that they've had that's, you know, Steve's first game that has a legion of fans. And that's what drove the traffic. And so that's why I would argue that they are not a player in the Kickstarter space. Which, they, interestingly, yeah, was originally sold. For like $3 yes. in a baggie that they ship to you in a letter, in, in an envelope. In the, la- in the last episode, when you talked about these types of games like Coin Age and things, I recalled all the Memetta gaming stuff that I used to get. My Car Wars from Steve Jackson Games came in a, cellof- uh, uh, in a plastic baggie with scotch tape to seal it. Well, it wasn't even sealed. Scotch tape. And I had to cut out the counters myself. Uh, Fantasy Trip. All of those micro games that came out of metagaming that Steve Jackson had so much involvement with. So yeah, there is some roots there. But my point coming back to Kickstarter is that they're a traditional company using Kickstarter to continue to do traditional business. Yeah. So when it comes to players who are starting to be in the space, in the market, and who are identifying it, Tasty Minstrel <laughs> Games is out there doing things as you just talked about, that you can do that other bigger players outside of who aren't playing in the Kickstarter space can get away with. Um, Fantasy Flight Games, probably the biggest brand, well, one of the biggest brands. They're huge. Uh, They're huge. Wizards of the Coast, they're huge. But the idea that they could put a game on Kickstarter that came in a bag sealed up with scotch tape hearkening back to the days of Steve Jackson's beginnings just isn't possible because their brand has developed in such a way that they couldn't get away with that. They would they would have a hard time getting away with putting a regular game that they publish on Kickstarter. They would, and some some have started queens out not, there doing not it. Not necessarily because potential backers on Kickstarter enough potential backers on Kickstarter wouldn't like it. Okay, plenty of backers on Kickstarter would like it. And it would probably fund a ton. The that would be kicking the dirt in the face of their existing business, which is all based on regular distribution, retail sales, and things like that. That's right. I refer to that as the value chain. And what we're talking about here, there's a great book out there called Innovator's Dilemma. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know you're familiar with it. Clayton Christensen, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been out for a long time. But one of the things that identifies is this concept of a value chain as each player is a member of that chain and when you start to disrupt it, different members of that value chain start to resist the disruption. And in this case, uh, a Fantasy Flight or a Steve Jackson, when they start offering the game, their product in a different model that starts to threaten pieces of their value chain, the value chain itself rebels and says, no, we don't want you to do that. And then it causes the you think the head of the at the head of this value chain is one driving it, but it's not. The value chain itself is what's doing that. And so I guess the, the, the point here is that we've been talking about is that you've started to develop a hybrid model of this new value chain. And I would argue or suggest or urge listeners who are thinking about putting a project out on Kickstarter, if if you just want to see some children children's toy that that you think is cool. And you just want to see it in real life, and th- and that's it. That's the end of your aspirations for that project. Then okay, throw it out there and don't worry about it. But if you really are interested in building a brand, whether it is a, a children's book, I had Sandra Taylor from uh, from the Taylor Corporation on here talking about her book. 
if you're talking about a board game, if you're talking about a series of films, whatever it is that you're looking at doing, if you're looking at building a brand, you have to start thinking about doing it different. And that's kind of what you've started to do. The whole models that you use for attracting backers, of building your lists, of expanding your brand, all of those things seem to have had a huge impact on the growing success of Tasty Minstrel and the opportunity for in 2014 for you to look at opportunities that are there because of decisions you made a year ago, two years ago, or three years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a question in there. There wasn't. There was just me. To that was, uh, yes, I, I agree. Let me get off my soapbox. There we go. We did the, the, the foundational work. Um, so let me tell you, this is what, here's my question then. Yes. Listeners are sitting there saying, okay, I've got a book, a mm-hmm. game, a, an idea. Right. Um, what should I be doing then? Should I be thinking about this differently? I, whether it's, do I go get a publisher if, I, if, I, if I'm an author? What happens if I put a project on Kickstarter and it's a book? Is that going to help my efforts or hurt my efforts? Because in the board game space, actually, that'll have an impact. What advice right. do you give to somebody who's sitting there thinking about their Kickstarter project and who have aspirations of something bigger than just simply getting it out there, getting it printed, and then walking away? I think part of the problem for me to answer that question is that I'm so far down the road, I don't, I can't look back and see that space anymore. But um, if that analogy makes sense. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I completely understand. So do you but, have anything of interest to contribute then? Yes, I do. Okay. I knew you did. Uh, one thing always comes down to is audience, right? Audience, audience, audience. There's people that trust you to give them a good product. That's basically what it boils down to. A lot of people call them fans. I, try, I measure this based on um, the only way that I have to really measure it, which is through uh, email uh, list analytics, so, you know, how many subscribers I have, how active they are, and whatnot. But so it, it always comes down to audience. I mean, I de- and Richard and I had talked about this, uh, I think, off the show. Ideas are easy. Audience is difficult. Um, so if it comes down to audience, how do you get an audience? Uh, especially if it's from nowhere. Well, you 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 beg, borrow, and steal. That's how you do it. Um, so the begging in this case essentially amounts to going out there, hitting the pavement, wherever applies for you. And I, I think the... Um, Guys from Tuesday Night Games, uh, Sean McCoy, and uh, oh, I well, that's bad. I am forgetting. Uh, that's all right. Well, it'll come back. So you. mad, I forget. Since he's the one I know first. Um, the other guy, Tuesday Night Games, they did a game called Two Rooms and a Boom. They were out there at conventions playing the game with people way before they launched their project. They were giving them, uh, actually, I have on my desk a five-card social game, deduction game that they would give to people. They give three cards to them just for free. Here you go. Uh, If you want the fourth card, then you sign up for our emails so we can contact you later. If you want a fifth card, then you can... Well, the fourth or fifth card you can get either way, but... You you try two rooms and a boom, and so 
doing this at conventions. They got lots of people to try the game. They got lots of people to sign up for their email list. Then, before launching their Kickstarter project for Two Rooms and a Boom, they launched a project for a a smaller thing to basically prime uh, the pump. Prime the pump. Yes, it's a good way to say it. And um, it was a documentary about how to do a Kickstarter project. And since they were about to do a Kickstarter project and already planned and had been doing filming on some of the old stuff, um, you know, it was easy for them to do. And we're about to run this. And so you should back this project about a documentary about how to do a Kickstarter project. And then they, uh, of course, promoted to the people who backed that. So a lot of groundwork there to build the initial audience. And they did really well on Kickstarter. I don't remember what they ended with, but it was a lot more than I expected it would be. It was amazing. And um, Well, you've given so, a piece of advice that I like to pass along to people. Um, and I seldom get people to buy off on it. And But you've just passed it along as well. And that is, if you're about to do a fairly significant Kickstarter project, find something little to do first. Find a couple of things little. And when I say little, that might even mean $500. No, before I did my Kickstarter project. Interestingly, I can go into my analytics on Kickstarter, which are not fantastic, and the Dungeon Roll Winter Promo Pack that we did, which was a follow-up to Dungeon Roll, which was very successful. You know, we had I think six thousand or so backers, and I had a pertinent update to do while Coinage was running, and I just put in there at the bottom. Oh yeah, by the way, if you want to get a game that's another pay what you want little dis- I, I might not even put a description I might just put an image you know it's like this is available image of you know that we have for the project page and link and that update because I put in so I could f- track the refers was one of the largest refers for coinage and it was the largest refer for a long time because I did it on the very uh, first day of Coinage being live. In fact, I made Coinage go live a day earlier than I was planning because I was going to do that update. So the idea of having a project beforehand to then help uh, launch the next one, help launch the next one is is outstanding. You should do it. Okay. In ma- as a matter of fact, it might uh, dig into what I'm trying to build as being the super dominant guy inside of the uh the micro game direct sales space but if you have if you have a game that's a more sizable thing and can make a small game that has four or five cards and sell it for a dollar or two on Kickstarter beforehand that might be a good idea that might be a good idea great piece of advice as we wrap up we're out of time Again? <laughs> I talk too much. I think I did this time. All right, all right. I certainly appreciate, Michael, you coming on and talking uh, again with me and just kind of discussing some of these great ideas and thoughts. You are welcome. It's always a pleasure to be on the show with you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Michael Mendez, the owner, creator, founder of Tasty Minstrel Games. And this has been episode 182. I know you've heard something inspiring. I know I did. That causes me to talk too much. But uh, we look forward to having your Kickstarter project out there so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.